And uh, we want to talk about Stampede, Kurt's experience at the Stampede. No, we don't. No, okay. No, all right. We're not, we're not talking about that. No, no, I mean, not not at this, not like after hours, but like what you what you witnessed, the bull riding and stuff, the, the animal abuse. Uh, no one to hear that. I didn't go to any rodeo stuff. It's just a beer tent. Okay, no problem. <laughs> that was a different kind of animal abuse at the beer tent, eh? <laughs> the hog tying. Yelling hogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is July 13th, 2021. I am your host, Brock Fleming, and with me. As always, I'm not your boy toy. I'm just a sexy, just a sexy boy. boy. Pep Cariotti on the other side. <laughs> Pep, how you doing, bud? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing, birthday boy? Hey, we have a 43-year-old co-host today. 43. 43. Hey, buddy. 43 years ago today, greatness was born. Hey, happy birthday to you, Not my me. friend. I'm glad we were able to get out just an hour ago to have a quick uh, a quick drink uh, over by uh, in your neighborhood. Thanks, Mike. There he is. Mike Ferreira has woken up from the nap. That there or he's he working is. out. He's training his butt off. He's like Rocky these days. I see the big tire and the, the big sledgehammer going to work. You want, uh, you want sledgehammer stuff? Why don't you take out my deck and put some stones up? <laughs> hey, listen, man. Mike, when he works out, like when he goes to to that level of like uh, CrossFit style stuff, it's pretty intense. The guy can lift. Yeah, he's a strong boy. We, I mean, he's hey, a strong boy. From football to you know doormanning and all that kind of stuff too. Like he's had to yeah. be physically fit to uh, protect himself. He lo- enjoys soccer, or I don't know if he plays soccer or if it's just in his culture. I don't think he's he's not really built like a soccer player. Let's be honest, but. Uh, Mike's a Mike's a big boy. He's nimble. Ah, at our age, nobody's nimble anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these are all these are these are adjectives we used back in high school. We were nimble. Nobody's nimble anymore. But even when we were playing, uh, like we played uh, the Buckingham League twenty years ago, he was he played uh, nose tackle and he was he got quick feet. Like he's quick hands, quick feet. You know? Yeah. When was that? Sorry. This would have been 2003, I guess. Yeah, 2002. Right. 20 years ago. We were Long all time ago. nimble 20 years ago. Things change, eh, Mikey? But hey, keep working your butt off. It's a miss you. I haven't seen the guy in person in forever. He's going to show up. He's going to have like a 12 pack or something like that. And Oh, yeah. He's you know, going he's, he's to be fitter than fit. Bale's big jackhammer Popeye forearms that he always has, those big brown eyes, too. And then he'll just be like, he'll be smiling at me. Oh, pap, pap. pap. You just you get all shy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love you, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, happy birthday to you, pal. Appreciate it. Day. I appreciate yeah. you guys coming out. Uh, the UC production crew, the whole, <laughs> all three of you guys showed up uh, with us at the Lone Star tonight, which was a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice hot. To see people. It was hot, a little rainy, but not too, too bad. But yeah, it was hot, humid. Um, but hey, I'm sweating usually by eating that many fajitas at that point anyway. So it is what it is. It was good to see you guys in person. Uh, once we start, we just talked about it. Imagine if we 
are in a spot where we have a patio and we say, you know what, we're going to be doing that. And then we can do the show live from that area would be amazing. And I can't wait to get back to that. And hopefully that'll be sometime, maybe the end of August, beginning of September. Oh, big dog. (laughs) Boss boss man. man. Thanks, Kwame. Appreciate it. I'm surprised. (laughs) Actually, he didn't. I don't know if he knew it was my birthday or if he's tuning in because... I wrote some things about the soccer game after the final and <laughs> boss man commented. I really, I, I threw out the hook there on some of the guys I knew was going to really bring them in. And, and, uh, and K dog was one of the guys that, uh, uh, got sucked in by some of my comments of the soccer <laughs> game. <laughs> so hey, big, big boss man is now the, uh, uh, now Kwame, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm probably not saying this correctly, but he is now the, the head coach of Ottawa West soccer. So, you know, we're a huge soccer fan, head coach or head or coach or, or yeah, or, or, or uh, like president or something like that, even, which is pretty great stuff. I and, mean, you know, soccer obviously is a huge sport across not only Ottawa, but Ontario and Canada and uh, it continues to be a global sport. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty good stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know what? What's, you know what? I played uh, soccer sevens. That's what they call it, I think. When you play indoors and seven on seven, and uh, it was probably oh, big boss man. <laughs> it was fun. It was good. The penalty kicks, ki- kicks. The penalty kicks. Although some of the English players had the kips, but mm. uh, the penalty kicks were exciting. You know, you think that one guy scores, were, eh? and you think that that's going to be it like there's no other way of doing it unless you miss the net well you miss the net and apparently it's harder than it looks i don't know why and, and whatever kwame can correct me again if i'm wrong so he's a technical director which is even a bigger label than being a head coach so he's organizing everything which is awesome but from a penalty kick standpoint in a soccer would you not try and hit those top corners each time and they're supposed to be so good just shoot them top corner those are almost impossible to stop i thought I don't know why they're getting all fancy and trying to do the you know timing and all that kind of stuff, overthinking no, it. No, I don't think that's an automatic. I don't think it's an automatic. If the guy, if the goalie guesses the right way, he can get up there. It's just about guessing the right direction. You got to really. guess that's the right really direction, it. and then you got to get to that corner, which I feel like it's hard. You can guess and you know be down on the ground, fine, but I don't understand why it's not. Anyway, again, I am not a soccer player, nor am I a soccer enthusiast, nor do I apparently understand the soccer game. I watched it, but I know nothing. <laughs> On three different levels. So it is what it is. To me, I thought when I play FIFA, I'm going for those top corners, and those are hard for the goalie to stop, the computer goalie to stop. That's all I got. Mike, our, our executive producer, just chimed in in the background here. He says, you almost have to guess the correct quadrant, which actually is a, a probably a better term. That's a good call, Mikey. All right. All right. Uh, Mikey says it's a lot harder than you think to hit top corners like that. I'm sure it is. It's just like hockey. It's hard. You know, a 12-year-old is hard to hit the top corners. I don't know, but professionals can do it whenever they want. These guys should be able to kick the ball into those corners. If not, that's what you work on. Same with your free throw. Free throws aren't automatic unless you practice it over and over. Anyway, I don't know. FIFA, yeah, Mike, you're right. Mike, our producer Mike, is right. Top left, bottom left. Top right, bottom right, or you kick straight at the middle and hope the goalie moves. Those are the five options you have when you're playing FIFA, and that's all. Anyway, absolutely, Kwame. Yeah, I mean, hitting the top. I mean, just elevating the ball and having that, having it curve that direction, and then getting the goalie to guess the. I mean, and getting up there. 
I'd have to find the dimensions of the actual net, but it's definitely like what ten feet. Yeah, it's like uh, I think fourteen nautical miles by ten, twelve <laughs> feet up. It's ridiculous how big the net is. Birthday boy's on fire, Kwame. Hey, Birthday boy is Kwame's on paying fire. attention. Kwame, and it, we should almost figure out how he can call in. But I'm using my phone for the thing. Anyway, uh, why <laughs> don't they get rid of this offside rule? So to me, as a amateur, less than amateur mm -hmm. soccer observer. Uh, this whole offside where it's a moving offside, like the, the defense just has to be in front of the offensive player when the ball is kicked in order to be offside. Why does that happen? Why don't you take the offside away and let's let's open it up a little bit to some, you know, I don't know, long bombs or some Yager guy wants to sit back there and wait for the ball within the crease or in that area and say, well, you, defensively, you got to watch for that or whatever. I don't understand why they still have this offside. To me, that's the most irritating thing in sports. But the offside in soccer, isn't it just the top of the goal, key, goal crease? That's where the offside imaginary line extends to the, to the sidelines is the top of the goal crease. It's not, so it's not, it's not a huge amount of space to get offside. I, the I'm, whole, sure, I'm sure this, it's wherever, again, who am I talking? I don't, I don't know. My understanding of it is that if when the ball is kicked, an offensive player is further in the offensive zone than the last defensive player you're considered offside, which I means you would never. Which means you would never like have anybody already behind the defense when the ball is being kicked. So they got to like time it up, I guess, maybe to almost maybe a running start or something where the ball is being kicked. And you sort of now you can run past. <clears throat> Here we go. Let's get Kwame's uh, got the defenders are essentially a moving blue line in hockey terms. Okay. Well, remember when hockey had the red line? Sucked. And then you took the red line out, and it was a lot more offensive. Can we do that with soccer? Anyway, well, I don't know. Did that work, actually, though? Teams adjusted, and now it's suffocating. Offside at the start of center field, but the offensives... Offensives? Offside starts at the center of the field, but the offensive is, is players <laughs> has to be in front of the defensive player. Got it. I'm Mike, I'm exaggerating. It's not a that, uh, spelling mistake. It's... Uh, Got it. See, uh, okay, so I was right, but... Again, I don't know. Is I feel like there's a way of, yeah. All right, let's move on. We're getting thank Chris Couture. He says the boys starting to sound like who's on first. That's correct. We are when it comes to soccer. Who is on first? He's on second. What's on second? Oh, okay. I don't want to toot my own horn, but for for a seven game streak during my soccer sevens career in what would have been 2013, I scored a goal a game. Okay. <laughs> I feel like the dramatic pause was for some credit. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Why don't we That's move it? on? That's to your whole story? <laughs> That's all I got. Let's get it. I played soccer as a kid, too, until I was. I said, I just want to play baseball. And they find, my parents finally let me. We have the official, I don't know if we want the definition. Producer Mike fact checked that a player is in the offside position if any part of the head, body, or feet is in the opponent's half excluding the halfway line and any part of the head body or feet is nearer to the opponent's goal line than both the ball and the second last opponent. Okay. Who is on first? Cause none of that moving on mm -hmm. next. Okay. We're, we're done. Headlines. With it. Uh, headlines. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mikey was my teammate. Lines with Brock and Pep. 
All right, we weren't supposed to go right into soccer like that, but it just happens to play out that way. So we got some headlines. There's a lot of big things that happen in sports. Soccer, well, not be you one know, of them. we are we are approaching what I would call the uh, the doldrums, like the, the the lull, the summer haze of uh, of sports, where everything's done pretty much soon. Like the NBA finals will be done in probably a week, and then it's it's basically baseball and NFL training camp until uh, September. So uh, you're wearing um, a jersey of a league that wasn't mentioned. Oh, I really, you know what? It's funny when I, when I talk about that and I don't bring up the, that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. As a league that, as a league that I chose to be when we did our poll of our favorite football leagues, I chose the CFL. How do I, how do I not bring that up? That's embarrassing. And, and of course, there are going to be fans coming, going to the game soon, which is going to be exciting. Yep. Um, so what I just said, scratch what I just said. CFL is a big part of my summer. I'm looking forward to it. But when we talk about professional American sports, it's going to be baseball the rest of the way, folks, uh, for the rest of the summer. So, But last Wednesday, just after our show, Game 5 of the Stanley Cup happened. And uh, I, I'd say to most people's uh, expectation, Tampa Bay won Game 5. Montreal pulled out a great Game 4 win, but it never felt like it was convincing. It never felt like Montreal was going to go on this, on this three-game run and tie the thing up. I just I didn't see it. I thought Tampa would win four two. They ended up winning four one. Um, Tampa Bay. Now let me ask you this, Brock. Did it hurt the Habs um, to not play Tampa all year because they never got used to the speed, size, and style of play? Did that really hurt the Habs in this series? Uh, I think that's a stretch. If you're going to blame on the fact that they hadn't seen Tampa, um, you know. Uh, there were a couple of good teams in Canada that they were playing against. I mean, you talk about speed, you're playing Edmonton. You talk about, I mean, even the Leafs have pretty good speed. The Jets have pretty good speed for a lot of it. Like there's, uh, they played some really good teams this season that I don't think that makes a huge, like Tampa's good, but Tampa's not, I don't know. I thought the Islanders gave them a really good fight. The Islanders <laughs> came close to maybe pushing that to a seven and see what happens, but. So uh, did Florida. You know what I mean? It's just Tampa is good. Tampa matched up well against Montreal, I thought. I think this, the wind in the Montreal sails sort of really uh, came out when, um, yeah, I don't know if if, any, if Price is, you know, subpar the first couple of games. You know, it just it was a bit more pedestrian. <clears throat> and then game three was the one that really got away. And once you, once you lose the first at home, like the wind in your sails have got to be you know, pretty shot. If they win mm-hmm. game three instead of game four, it's a totally different series in my opinion. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's because they didn't see Tampa all year that that was why they got beat that way. I mean, just what well, Tampa now is uh, a two-time back-to-back Stanley Cup champion. They're going to go down as one of the best teams to ever play because, you know, if, when was the last back-to-back? We've seen teams like the Blackhawks and Penguins win uh, you know, like three and six years or four yeah. and, uh, or sorry, two and five years, whatever. But we haven't seen a back-to-back. Maybe we'll, maybe one of our fact checkers can look this up. I'm going to guess the last back-to-back was... Penguins, 93-92? Was that what it is? I, that's my, that would be my guess. Um, Unless the Red Wings, up, when, the, when were the Red Wings good? I don't think the Red Wings ever did the back-to-back, though. And I don't think they won. They should have won more with that, with that roster. I don't think the Red Wings went back-to-back. Colorado, maybe? 
anyway, we'll we'll look that up. But it doesn't happen very often. It hasn't happened in a long time. And but these are know, two Tampa's- weird years too. You know what I mean? These are not normal years for them at all. So you have a shortened mm. season in a dome type situation, and then you mm-hmm. have another one that is, um, you know, you're you're limited to your region, and so you're limited to who you're playing. The travel's limited. Uh, fans are limited in a lot of different arenas and stuff too. So it was, a, again, a completely different feel. So the back-to-back are winning on two non-traditional years. So how does that mm. play in? That's a, that's a great factor. I'm going to give Tampa the benefit of the doubt because they, they finished first in the league. Pittsburgh uh, in 16-17. Yeah, I just saw that from Mike. So I, I, didn't, I don't even remember that. It's odd. Um, well, Sid, if you look yeah, at Tampa, if there's a, there's a, sorry, there's a thing on all the Conn Smythe trophy winners in the last while you posted and Sid's back to back. So I'm assuming that's probably those years. Makes sense. You know, Tampa finished first in the league the year they got swept by uh, Columbus in the first round that that was going to be a year that they probably would have won too. That was in 20, the year before the, obviously the year before the pandemic. So, and then the year before that, they got trounced early too, but again, finished first in the league. So they've been, a, they've been on a four year tear. And they happen to win the cup the last two years. Now, the fact that you bring up the point of uh, of it being non traditional, I mean, it's an excellent point, you know. But we can talk about that across the board, you know. Like uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a very non traditional, no training camp, no this, no that. And then we could look at uh, basketball. The Lakers won in a, in the bubble. Uh, what's happening now with Phoenix and Milwaukee, which we'll get to a little later. It's an excellent point. I mean, we'll. I think only time will tell. I don't know if we're going to be able to see that particular roster again. They have a lot of free agents coming up. Um, the word on the street is that this will be the last time that group plays together. Um, you they're know, $18 million dollars over cap, trip. aren't they? they? They're over the cap. Um, they've got to make some tough decisions. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, can they can they maintain their core? I think there's enough there to maintain Braden Point and uh, – Killorn and they got some they have guys that were just they were rolling out four lines like uh, pressure 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 Montreal was just like bum rushed the first couple of games it was wild so who do you think well whatever we're not going to get into their roster and who you think is going to not be there Mm -hmm. to you know try and make the cap room and stuff like that whatever I'm tired of Tampa moving on I just think they have an I don't even I don't think it's important I think they have so much depth that, uh, you know, if they lose two core guys, I, I mean, by the looks of things, like this Gordy, uh, Gord or whatever his name, his last name was Gord, he, he was, he's great. I mean, they had guys that were coming out off uh, off the uh, the fourth line that could have played on the first line. Anyway, it would be interesting. Uh, Montreal just extended their coach, Dom Ducharme, for three years. I don't love it. How do you feel? Are you impartial? I'm more impartial than anything else. Uh, you know, I think at this point, what were the options? You know what I mean? Like, who else was out there that would be somebody who would fit in the Montreal um, organization? You know, the the background, the 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 French uh, yep. heritage, that kind of stuff. Coming off of a you know from a, a Cabs fan base, their point of view, you you just took us to the Stanley Cup where you shouldn't have been there. Realistically, you shouldn't have. Yeah. And so you exceeded expectations and when you exceed expectations oftentimes you're rewarded so uh, again from a coaching in the coaching world yeah you're guaranteed three three seasons but that doesn't mean you're going to be coaching for three seasons so he's still got to produce moving forward but you know uh, that's 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 payoff for what you did this season that's what sports is you get paid for what you've done um a bit on potential but obviously it's, it's more of what you've shown 
over the last little while, especially in coaching. So I think uh, I think he got his his due after this season alone. When I say I don't love it, I don't mean I. I it doesn't mean I hate it. I and I you like hate I actually understand it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think he did a good job. I think uh, I really liked Luke Richardson's uh, opportunity when he had a chance to take those three games over. Um, I like know, to see Luke I, get a shot somewhere else, maybe. Luke Luke deserves a shot if he wants one. I mean, some of these guys like being assistants, right? It's all it's you get the glory without the pressure if you win. And uh, you know, I I don't know. I I, I like Dom Ducharme. I think he's a little young. Uh, well, he he comes across a little young, but. You know they know like you like you said he knows all the young guys coming up the Ryan Polings and the and the Caulfields and all these guys that came up. Uh, Michael Ferrer does not love it at all. Michael Ferrer doesn't like anything that isn't Leafs related. That seems um, to be the not case. Not a big fan of Pierre Maguire either. Uh, Who's Richards? Richards would have Richardson. I think is what he means. Oh. Richardson. Right. Yeah. Mike, I, I, I tend to agree, Mike, but then again, um, Dom Ducharme has been with their organization and all the young guys coming up have gone through him uh, in the minors, and then promoting him makes a lot of sense, just like the Toronto coach. It's a similar uh, trajectory with the player, the young players coming up with him, and he wanted they wanted um, – his name slips my mind right now, but their head coach you know, was with Marner and was with all those guys in the Sheldon minors as Keith, well. So, isn't it? Is it? What's his name? Sheldon Keith. Sheldon that's Keith. right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, so time will tell. The jury's out. I mean, actually, maybe the jury's not out. He, he took a team to the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, so I like I like your perspective, Brock. I'm going to go with that myself. I'm going to I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be optimistic. And Dom Ducharme deserves uh, an opportunity to coach this team. If it's if it's for three years or one year, he deserves a chance. All right. So you're here to hear uh, first. Pep hates him, but he's going with the positive attitude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on to something we talked about a little earlier today, and it's a very when when you dig a little deeper, it's a very interesting trade. Uh, at first, it comes across like, hey, you know, uh, it's a big name coming on Edmonton's way and kind of what mm-hmm. they needed. But uh, you know, if you, if you dig a little deeper into the stats and the career and the miles put on, it's an interesting trade. Uh, Duncan Keith, who turns thirty eight this Friday, sixteen uh, year vet in the league, was traded from the Chicago Blackhawks. That organization is an absolute disaster, train wreck with the sexual allegations and all that nonsense. Yep. Um, he gets traded to the Oilers for a third-round pick, and Caleb Jones, who is Seth Jones' brother, brother, brother. Um, so that's I mean, you know, uh, the trade for Edmonton. I mean, uh, he had four goals and eleven assists in fifty-four games this year, so he, he's not lighting it up like he used to. But again, it was fifty-four games. Um, he still averaged twenty-three minutes. So he played a heavy load. Um, but he's his, he definitely slowed down. His skills definitely have diminished. And um, did they give up too much? Are they gonna? Are their expectations of him gonna be too high to come in and save the defensive day for the Oilers? What do you think of this trade? Where did Chicago finish? <clears throat> well, they started off gangbusters. They were one of the pleasant surprises early on, and they ended up finishing middle of the pack, I believe. They definitely uh, they missed the playoffs. The Central Division. So 24 wins, 25 losses, 7 ties. Okay. But they started off well. They were they were 5 or 6 games over 500 then they just sort of hit the wall. Look. Where's Jonathan Taves by the way? Why? He wasn't playing? No, he's been he's been off all year. Like he he was uh they put him on the long term. Oh. He he was ill. So people thought he had COVID, then it wasn't COVID, and then people thought he's sick. And no one's heard anything from him all year. So 
You know, it's a very we weird got thing. Chicago. Very little news I found from any other division other than the Northern Division during the season. Like throughout our Canadian sports broadcasting yeah, channel, sure. I found it was very Northern strong, which, you know, again, is to be expected to a point. But at the same time, you know, guys like Jonathan Taves and stuff who are also Canadian, you know, has a big following. You want to know what's going on with some of these guys. With the, the Keith situation, this could be really good because, yeah, okay, you know, over time guys start to lose a step. We talk about it. You know, our friend Mike is Ferreira is not nimble as he used to be. We're not as nimble as we used to be. That <laughs> happens. This guy's going to be 38. But you start to learn, you know, again, we talked about it before, your skill starts to decrease a bit, but your knowledge and your technique and, your, and your understanding of the game goes up. So at some point you sort of meet that. Now he's probably past that. But he brings a real good, solid veteran defensive presence to an Edmonton team that um, doesn't really have a lot of problems putting the puck in the net. They got a lot of offensive skill. Having somebody back there who might be able to, you know, manage the power play a bit more, keep some of the young guys in check and understand where they got to be playing and, and be able to focus on maybe just that side of the ice as opposed to in Chicago, he was relied on or, you know, they wanted him to produce a bit more from the blue line, you know, between him and uh, is Seabrook still there? Seabrook is still there. You know, those Brian old Dan, guys Brian are still Campbell for a year, a couple of years. Yeah. A few years back and stuff too. Um, you know what I mean? They, I feel like the expectations were them to be scoring and they were scoring for a little bit in their heyday, but I think that Edmonton might be a real good spot for him in terms of rejuvenating his career a little bit, extending it maybe two or three years versus if you're in Chicago and you just don't have that surrounding cast, plus all the other issues and stuff like that. If those things are going on, no matter what, it's going to affect your psyche a little bit as a player. So, you know, you hear these things in the news and the organization is getting scrutinized. It just is what it is. You're not in the playoff hunt. You know, it can go down pretty quick. To go somewhere that wants him, that can use him, and... Uh, has a you know a different attitude, you know what I mean? Because they're Edmonton's on the rise. They've been you know they're disappointed by the playoff this year, obviously, but that should make them pretty hungry. A good young core group of guys that are hungry to go back and, and say, look, let's get over this hump. And I think Keith might be able to fit in fairly well. Well, when you say they're they're all in on him, they're literally all in on him. They're taking on his entire salary. There were expectations to, in the offseason that any trade made for Duncan Keith will require Chicago to eat some of his salary. Uh-uh. Edmonton's taking it all. So they're definitely committed to this trade. And uh, the guy's proven to stay healthy, number one. And number two, he's, he logs big minutes. So yep. maybe in Edmonton, he might not have to take on that amount of minutes. Uh, you know, who knows? And maybe there's another deal coming up that can, that well, will that's support it. him. There's a lot of stuff so that you... may not be public, yeah. you know, an agreement between yeah. the two organizations of some sort. Yeah, we'll take this on, but we got something else in the works we're looking for or yeah. whatever. I mean, I don't hate it. I think for both teams, uh, it's time to move on with Chicago, obviously. And then, uh, you know, Edmonton's an up and coming team. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jonathan Taze, we got, we hear from Kurt, our, uh, one of our executive producers, chronic immune system disorder. Um, I, I would assume just based on that title that, you know, COVID definitely would have been a really, really bad thing for him to catch. So uh, with that, you know, um, with that disorder coupled with uh, certainly uh, COVID, that would probably mean why he w- we haven't seen or heard from him. So Brock's a softie for the old guys. Someone feeling a little older today. Okay. Yeah, yes. that's it. Could thanks, be Chris. Chris. Very good. Very good. I got a softie for <laughs> that one, uh, stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was going to make a comment on his age, whatever, but it was going to come out completely wrong. So I stopped that pretty quick. Um, but you're right, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah. All right. Tongue twisted Wait. there for a second. Oh, Michael Ferrer's dad has a comment. Yeah. So when he heard about this trade, apparently he laughed. He said he was too old. He was, uh, yeah. Too old. You know what? Brock's dad... Uh, Brock's dad. Well, Brock's dad too, but Mike's dad is a savvy old, savvy old vet when it comes to these kind of trades. Eh? You know, they, they say what's on their mind. It's their first instinct. They don't, they don't rethink things. Kids got us off. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Awesome. Uh, it's time for our weekly Aaron Rodgers update. Um, we have no music played... for that, so don't panic, Mike. No. Well, I don't know what to say. Uh, he played in that golf uh, charity golf thing over the last week or two, and played uh, awesome. Um, he they asked him point blank questions about the Packers, and he kind of danced around it a little bit. And then at the end, he said, uh, "Look, I'm taking two weeks. Uh, I'm loving my summer. I'm taking two weeks, and I'll decide after that. Decide what is the question? He's Whether going you're back come to back Green to Bay. The Packers? Yeah, he's going back to the Packers. There's no there's no other choice." And I've said it that he's going to be either retired, sitting out, or he'll be with the Packers. He won't go to a different team. They won't trade him. He's getting his mental health and stuff in order. He's going to be refreshed and rejuvenated for the, the, the season. He's not missing anything from these OTAs and, and, and training camp type stuff other than making a point at the same time saying, you know what, I'm going to get myself in order and make sure that I'm ready to go. He'll be ready for Green Bay, I think, this season. I don't think there's any other options for him. Why wouldn't you just say that if you're him, though? Why wouldn't you just say, "Look, I'm taking these two weeks, but I'm I'll be back fresh and ready." Uh, so, but don't you won't find me for two weeks, but I'm coming back to the Packers, and uh, that's it. And because right he likes now, to put, keep the media on their toes, the fans on their toes, he likes to keep the the Green Bay front office probably on their toes. You know what I mean? So if I'm coming back, yeah, but I might make you sweat a little bit. I might, you know, I just, I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a position to say, yeah, I'm coming back. Because what does that do? That opens a lot of questions of what changed and what do we need to do and what's this? And now they're talking about the Green Bay season where it's like, hey, I got two weeks. You know, I'm going to be enjoying this. It's still my vacation. I'm going to golf more. I'm very good at it. I'm going to go different mm -hmm. places and do that, whatever. You know, there's no advantage for him to say other than somebody who might be like doing their fantasy football draft within the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no benefit to him to say that I'm coming back to green Bay hundred percent draft me so I can make you 50 bucks in your fantasy football pool. Mike, our executive producer says his motivation is to win the PR game, which I, I think he's actually, I think he's successful in. He wants uh, pressure on green, the green Bay front office. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I'm old school, you know, like I'm old school. If it, you deal with everything in house and, uh, you, you know, if in public, if you have no intention of leaving, then, then don't plant the seed like you're leaving, but you deal with it in house, pressure them internally. Uh, everything gets out. And, uh, and then it comes, he comes across as very lackadaisical. Oh, maybe I did say that. Maybe I didn't like just call a spade a spade. Cause green Bay at some point is going to say, you know what? We're not going to sacrifice our off season plans, not knowing if you're going to come back. No? So what, what are they going to say? They're going to say, you know what? Ah, we're just going to release Aaron because we're tired of waiting for him to find out what's going on. Nope. You know what? Let's, nope. I'd, love to, I'd love to look up NFL players who, who pull, try to pull that, like pressure on the organization, and the organization called their bluff. 
Brett Favre, could that be considered? You know, they're retiring, then retiring. I guess that'd be the closest. To, I wonder if there's any players in the NFL. But that's not that them did. calling his bluff. He retired, or maybe he said, oh, I'm going to retire if you don't, whatever, if that's maybe something. And then he retired, so they called his bluff to retire, and he says, ah, screw it, I changed my mind. Now I'm going to sign with your rival. Like, that's not the team winning by any chance or calling their bluff. So at the same time, you can release him. You can release him, and then you're not owed him any money other than what's already guaranteed in the contract. And even that might have a stipulation in terms of playing or something. I don't know. But you can release him and say, you know mm-hmm. what? Fine, we're going to move on with Jordan Love. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers is on the other side saying, you know what? I'm not – I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to – basically I have no comment is what's going to happen. And you guys get Jordan Love all camp, and let's see what that looks like. So there's, a, you know, a taking a chance. If Jordan Love was lighting it up right now in all of the workouts and getting – in, ready for training camp and really connecting with the receivers and really whatever, it might have backfired on Rodgers. And he says, you know what? Yeah, maybe we'll release him because Jordan Love is the real deal. Mm. I don't think that seems to be the case. So, mm. you know, whatever. Green Bay's not going to release him. They're going to be there holding the little gift bag and stuff like that for when Rodgers yeah. shows up. And that's just the way it is. Yep. He's making yeah, a point. Be- they still didn't go out and get a lot of weapons for him. They still didn't necessarily address the the holes in their offense or give them any more weapons to to be an MVP with, you know, other than drafting the uh, Amari Rodgers out of uh, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know what I mean? It's status quo. So, I don't know. It's it's so crazy how how one play can 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 do all this. Like, and I look back to that one play right before halftime. Where Brady hits Scotty Miller on deep uh, on a deep fly route, really, um, right before, and it's fourteen ten going into half, and they have one play left. Brady hits Miller in a deep route. It's twenty one ten going into halftime. Tampa's deflated. They make a game of it, but then they make the controversial call at the end of the game. So, well, two two plays really. Then, if you think about it, but Green Bay was the better team on paper. Green Bay should have won that game. Green Bay should have been representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And if that happens, what are we talking about in terms of uh, in terms of uh, weapons? Devonte Adams is probably the best receiver in the NFL. They had a very good running game by committee, good offensive line. I mean, did he make the tight end better? Absolutely. Did he make the the, the slot receiver better? Yeah, totally. But there was enough there to to be that close. Yeah, but are, they're also this close. We have six. A torn Achilles in the CFL and stuff already this year and torn whatever, they're this close to Devontae Adams doing tweaking an ankle or pulling a hamstring, and then what? The only reason the other receivers are any good is because Adams takes a lot of attention away and Rodgers can throw the ball on a dime to whoever. So you're almost yep. forced to catch it. You take Adams out of that equation, I really don't know what Green Bay has from in terms of a passing efficiency uh, on offense. Good point. And again, you know, you talk about in-house stuff. Um, you know, producer Mike brought it up, and producer Mike's a Green Bay fan, so he's been following this for years. Rodgers has asked for help and for maybe bringing in a, another quality, proven receiver for you know, multiple years, and they haven't done mm-hmm. anything. So, you know, at some point, you say, "Yeah, let's hold it in-house." That's fine, in-house. But if I'm addressing something and you're not doing anything in-house and multiple times, then yeah, maybe I'm going to start to use some pressure on the external. So say, "Hey, you know, the fans are like, why aren't they going to get people? Why isn't Rogers asking for more help? And why ain't whatever?" Hey, mm-hmm. I am, but nothing's happening. 
My neighbor's walking down the street with a red blacks jersey on. You can see C- CFL fever is in the area. Training camp started. Yeah. Anyway, I like it. Hey, listen, I, I compare Green Bay when it comes to a franchise in the NFL. Like a, if they had a, a little brother or a big brother, it'd be Pittsburgh, and they do the same thing. They don't. They don't buy into uh, you know what the pressure of the public. And the media, hey, you got to get this guy, go out and spend some money. In free. They don't do that. They, they draft in-house and they develop in-house. But when push comes to shove and Ben Roethlisberger said, look, I need a big receiver, either draft one or sign one, they do. And they have. So, you know, they listen to their, their franchise quarterback. I don't think the same could be said that in, in Green Bay. I don't think the front office have said, we'll give you whatever you, whatever you need to keep you happy. Um, no, they've clearly so, not done that. Yeah. And producer Mike so, brought up um, the other play in that game was the fourth quarter, third down brutal. play where Roger didn't run. So that's on him. But uh, at the same time, I think there's, I don't know. I always I felt a sense of spite from Rodgers mm. for a little bit at the end of that season this last year. Face. Yeah, I mean, he's got that. He's got something on him for sure. But anyway, well, uh, I'm interested to see what happens in a couple of weeks when things get serious with training camp and they got to get ready for the season. But uh, moving on, did you watch any of the home run derby? Sure did. I like it. I like the format. I like the two minutes consecutive and then the extra bonus. And it's it's entertaining. They got rather than just have guys going and whoever hits the most moves on to the next round, they have two guys going one on one. I really like that. Um, awesome event, terrible presentation, brutal, the split screen. Uh, it's awful. Like, and th- the reason they do it is because the, the, whoever's pitching to the, to the hitter is throwing a ball, then really just throwing another one without waiting if to see Correct. if the one went, the home run went out. So what happens is the screen just, it, it, it chimes into the, the last hit and then it cuts right away to the next hit. And you never really see the ball the trajectory of the ball, which is the beauty of a home run, really. Like, a, is there anything more majestic than a home run in sports? Like, it's really nice to see. It's cool to see. I, I just, I didn't get, and um, I think the winner hit like a, a, a ball that was ended up being 510 feet, but I, I didn't know. I didn't see it. I mean, it was awful. They got to figure something out. How would you suggest? Because I rewatched, I had the <laughs> derby in 30 minutes or whatever it was this well, morning. Scrap the three minutes then. Do, figure it out where they, you get 20 pitches and, you know, you don't throw the next pitch until the, the other the ball is landed. Like, I don't know. I mean, it was like uh, average it out. How many pitches were thrown in that three minutes? Take the, the amount of that, maybe shave off 10 or 15 pitches and, and just give a set amount of pitches that you get. Because yeah, but then those three awful. minutes are going to be 20 minutes because there's no time limit on it. So you're like, you know, okay, I'm going to do 30 pitches. Well, 30 pitches in a baseball game, that's a, you know, at least a whole inning. So that's oh. 10, 15 minutes, you know, I don't know. I think it's tough from a, so. I think it's tough from a, a production standpoint to sort of keep everybody happy. From, did you like the, what, did you like the, the split screen? Did you, did you, did you, did you understand what I was talking about though? Cause I made a comment on our show page yesterday. Did you understand what I was, what I was getting at in terms of the, like, you know, just yeah. getting dizzy and nauseated. Yeah. I, I, you know, whatever I got your comment. I, I took a look at it too. And, um, I was even looking at the stream to say, Oh, am I on a different channel? Cause I don't see as much of the split screen as you were seeing, but, um, it was, and it, I didn't really notice a whole lot. I was more focused on, just the swing. I, I didn't really care to see where the ball went necessarily. 
So I wasn't try- I wasn't like watching the hit and then flipping to see where it went with my eyes, which I could see being annoying. I was really focused just on the batter. And I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I knew when he hit a home run. You know what I mean? Like you just, you can hear it. You can kind of see the swing. And, you know, or if there's something that was maybe iffy, then I would see if it went or I'd be watching the counter. But I, w- I would be kind of focused yeah. on that side of the screen. So it didn't affect me as much as um, you, I guess. But I do want to have a quick a- shout out to the authorities in Denver. And so I don't know if you read this or not, but <laughs> yeah, I did. There was a, a multiple uh, 16 long guns, body armor and hundreds of rounds of ammunition from a room in a hotel that was located right near Coors field. Mm-hmm. Um, actually the, the balcony overlooked the downtown area and with the mm-hmm. all-star facilities and stuff like that. And they basically said like this would have resulted in like a Las Vegas style shooting but it was one of the um, uh, the maids, I guess, in the hotel that noticed it, called authorities, and they sort of got on that. But it's scary to think Yikes. of where that could have been and what was going on there. There was, I guess, a note left, too, that it was kind of somebody was going out in style. Uh, but four people were arrested, and thankfully nothing happened. But, you know, shout out to the quick uh, action by authorities over there. Yeah, that's scary stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean... And no one's going to expect it, right? You're at a baseball all-star game. I mean, that's not exactly uh, – ah, just, it's just crazy stuff. Yeah, congratulations to them. Um, our producer, Mike, said uh, he agrees. I agree with you. Pep, uh, I don't know how they would fix it. They tried the view from behind the plate, which was – it was kind of grainy, actually. I, I thought maybe that might work if it was like a wider wider view, but it was really grainy that maybe because it was getting dark. But I thought maybe a, a triple split screen, like because all you really need to see are the last two hits, and one's going to land so you can kind of like – at least keeping your eye on one uh, home run at a time compl- in its completion. If you have the batter and then ball one, ball two. Again, I'm just grasping at straws here. So your solution <laughs> for something that is giving you a headache from a split screen is, here's what we're going to do. I want you to take that split <laughs> screen, screen, split it again. We're going to go three wide. I don't think that's the way they're supposed to go. No, I listen. I don't work for Samsung. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just all I know is that it was it was not the greatest presentation. However, the drama was there. Um, was I this, loved the was last this put on ra- by Samsung, <laughs> or is that just the brand of your t- television? Because they're not the ones that it's put the, the show in the TV. It's Samsung. <laughs> okay. This is getting off the rails. <laughs> Moving on, Rob Manfred, the uh, Major League Baseball's commissioner. Is that the right title? Yeah. Says uh, seven inning double headers and the extra inning runner will likely be dropped in 2022. Ah, for uh, what? I know you're not a big fan of the, uh, I know you are a big fan of the extra, the, the additional runner on uh, for extra innings. Uh, seven inning double headers. W- w- like why, why take that away? I like it. I like the fact that it's, you know, I if like you're going to sit both in, of them. Yeah. So do I actually, I actually don't mind the extra inning runner um, anymore. I've sort of gotten used to it. But the, oh, hello! Just <laughs> saw he's getting pretty cozy there. Yeah, he looks like he's getting cozy. Um, I don't know. You, what do you think? I are they replacing it with something, or they're just going back to what it was before? I think he allu- he alluded to the uh, to the you know going back to the way it was. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I think they need to speed up. Uh, the games in extra innings, especially during the regular season. I think that was a great mm-hmm. way of doing it. I don't know what mm-hmm. the stats are and how long the the longest extra inning game went this year, but I don't think it was mm-hmm. any more than, I don't know, 11, 
12 mm-hmm. maybe tops but you know gone would be the days of the 18 19 inning game where you got ryan goins pitching and stuff like that mm-hmm. as as much fun as that is maybe do that say okay instead of a, a runner on second uh you need a position player to come in and pitch starting in the 10th and say well that'll <laughs> that'll end it, you know what i mean like so, i don't know they got to do something so I, I i really i don't know why they would take that away and the double inning or the the double header seven inning makes complete sense in terms of time and everything as well um so again i'm and, and also those shorter games favor the blue jays in my opinion because there's less room for the bullpen to come in and screw it up <laughs> so maybe that's why we're a fan of it i don't know but i don't know why uh, they really. would change that I think uh, as I'm a sports, I'm a traditionalist for the most part when it comes to sports, but I am also very open to improving any, any game, whether it's hockey, baseball, basketball, football, what tennis, whatever soccer. So so, I don't really know how they would improve soccer, but yeah, if there's a way to improve the game, make it more exciting, make it safer, whatever. And this is, you know, I thought the, the shorter double headers and the runner on second at, at the very least brought a different element of strategy to a game that's uh, 200 years old. You know, it was a different thing. I liked it. And it's a great segue to my next topic. Ah, the Super Bowl weekend usually starts with that week off, right? And they have the Pro Bowl or whatever. It's awful. They should replace the Pro Bowl with a game, two games, the bottom four teams in the league, rather than tank and have the, the last quarter of the season mean nothing for four or five teams, how about this? The bottom four teams in the NFL play in a mini tournament that starts on the, uh, the week before the Super Bowl. So you got the worst team versus the fourth worst team. You got the second worst team versus the third worst team. The winner of those games goes on to play on Super Bowl Sunday right before the Super Bowl or maybe a couple hours before, whatever. And then the winner of that game gets the first overall pick. And then they, they follow suit after that. It takes away from the tanking of the bottom four. I'd say the, the next five or six teams that don't make the playoffs, there might be in the running to make the playoffs anyway, so they may not tank. I think it fixes the tanking issue just like that. It makes the week off relevant. It keeps football relevant during that ridiculous week off. And the Pro Bowl is useless. Just nominate a bunch of guys that are all-stars and boom, there you go. The Pro Bowl is awful. What are your thoughts on that, buddy? Well, basically that idea is exactly what we do or did with our fantasy football league, right? So you want to give these guys... Yeah, so we would have you either make the playoffs, so the top yeah. eight make the playoffs and you're fighting for the money, or the bottom four are in a consolation bracket and you're playing for the first overall pick. Keeps it interesting, keeps you something to play for, whatever. And maybe, yeah, stop tanking. But at the same time, what happens is that the fourth worst team in the league who just misses making the playoffs or just misses the cut of the whatever... Um, is often still a better team than the worst place team. So now if you're playing for that first overall pick, the team that actually needs that first overall pick, you know, like if we take out scheduled and planned organized tanking to get players, let's say we remove that, the team that needs the player the most and the help the most is likely not going to do very well in that tournament. In which case you say, look, you suck. 
Now you're drafting fourth. So you got the top three picks are gone because you're not going to win that tournament either. You're going to finish fourth now. So you're the worst team, but you're always picking fourth. You're never going to get better. But not never. I mean, the fourth overall pick is still pretty good. I think it was Alan Pitts this year. Kyle Pitts. Alan Pitts. The old Stampeder. Kyle Pitts. They're I, no love relation it. I love it. Um, but I just think that that was the issue that, that kind of came up with our league was like if you're not like if you're not trying to tank there's got to be some integrity there from a not tanking standpoint add that to the standpoint count whatever it happens to be mm-hmm. but the teams that suck if they're penalized by this little tournament as well then they're just not going to get better fast enough okay so let's let's just fall fantasy football aside let's Let's say you're right. Let's say that the the you know the the, the worst team will just never get better because they'll, they'll play the tournament and they'll lose and they'll end up picking fourth. But there's ways to move up in the draft. Like if you're picking fourth, you know you deal a guy here, you deal a guy there during the season, you stockpile two first rounders. Suddenly that looks pretty attractive to the Here's, team picking second. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, there's ways to move up. I like there's ways to do it. It isn't always just like you know first, second, third, fourth, and and the fourth the team who picks fourth is just never going to get better. I don't know. And, you know, we've seen in the past the first uh, first round picks. Sometimes they don't pan out like they here's here's something. Show me a team that's garbage, but has an awesome GM. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? They don't exist. (laughs) So this guy is not this (laughs) this GM is not pulling these (laughs) trades. He's not conveniently moving up and figuring ways around it. No, he's not. They're garbage for a reason. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, that's a good no, listen. That's a good point. I, I I still think just keeping the games, trying to keep them relevant, anyways, um, and then making that I totally agree. Week, you know, relevant uh, Pro Bowls junk. That's that's really my point. But yeah, you make some excellent points. The Pro Bowl point. used to be the week after the Super Bowl. You talk about useless. Yeah, it used I mean, to be after you know, the Super Bowl. Now at least they move and they 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 fill in that week of like, hey, we're going to be doing something. Yeah. They don't need the Pro Bowl. Give everybody their bonus. You know, I think it's in Florida now anyway, so it's not even like yeah. a trip to Hawaii. It's not in Hawaii, which players loved. Players <clears throat> yeah. loved going to Hawaii. They would the just use the money that they got for being in the Pro Bowl to fly their family out and have a party for a week. Great. Do yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. participate in the, you know, I want to see the old lineman challenges. I want to see the now quarterback challenges. I want to see, do I want to see them play dodgeball? Not particularly. Do I want ah. to see them blow out Achilles on the beach sand uh, touch football <laughs> thing they had there? I don't know how many people got injured doing that. No, but like, you know, position specific type stuff. So they used to have it. Larry Allen ripping out freaking 400 pounds for like hey. eight reps like it was nothing and then driving sleds. Anyway, that kind of stuff. Hey, that's fun. Do that. Oh. But they don't need to play a game. You don't need any Sean Taylor on uh, uh, the kicker. What, yeah, what was his name? Do you remember his name? I can't remember the kicker's name, but he was just <clears throat> blown up. It was. It was <laughs> wasn't that a Bills kicker? Was it a Bills kicker? It was like more was it, was it, wood or nor, uh Jeez. Anyway, I think it was but, a Bills kicker. I think they got lit up, but nobody I, needs that. I love. And if the NFL uh, was his pro skills or whatever they called it, I can't remember what they called it, but I used to love it in the nineties and Dan Marino and it would, they'd have the accuracy throw. They'd have uh, the golf the, carts the, driving by where you'd have to hit those. Awesome. Yeah. 
awesome. Or like the characters, and, uh, like Manning, he dropped for the long throw. Remember, he dropped back and he actually like he like shuffled left, like he was avoiding hits, and then he would throw the yeah, ball, yeah. like just yeah. characters. <laughs> it was funny. Car- right, and the, even back then, um, they had re- the receivers would would do like the fastest receiver. Uh, they'd have to catch the ball with one hand, uh, run routes. It was like cool. Yeah, stuff. That was pretty just, new too. They had yeah jump balls. Yeah, you got to catch yeah. one hand in this circle, and you had do it. Yeah, forget the Pro Bowl. Just do that. Yeah, you know? that's, that's more the, fun the for NBA's, everybody. Well, the NBA Skills Weekend is more for me more entertaining than the NBA uh, the the All Star Game. It's like it's not even close. Like the, I'd rather watch the dunk contest, which is awful, and the three point contest, and then that little mini skills thing that they do. Uh, heck, I'd rather watch the celebrity game than watch the actual All-Star game itself. So, uh, you know, NFL, something to think about. I don't think they'll ever change it. Just they're so traditional in the NFL that uh, getting any kind of change in the NFL is really tough. Brian Mormon, uh, good uh, good memory, Brock. Mormon. It was a Bills kicker. Yeah, he was a punter. Um, really quickly, the Suns and Bucks, uh, they've played three games. I don't think anyone's watching. And I'll tell you, it's really good basketball. Like, it's actually not... Uh, helter skelter up tempo. It, it's it's good, solid pick and roll. A lot of ball movement, a lot of player movement. Two two teams that are well coached, but the, to say there's no star star power might sound silly because Chris Paul's playing and so is uh, Antetokounmpo. Coupon. But like there isn't it there there isn't like Chris Paul's a point a, a pass first point guard and Giannis can't shoot. So there really isn't any star power. It's boring. I've fallen asleep during two of these games and I'm trying to you know stay in touch with the games and like, do you think that hurts the NBA overall to not have LeBron, not have any star power, maybe no Durant on the East side and no Leonard. Like, is that, is that keeping you from watching, for example? Um, or have well, you watched? I mean, I, I, I don't think that's the reason I'm not watching. I've watched some, I think they're, I mean, the ones in Phoenix are a little bit later too. Um, I mean, it definitely has to hurt the NBA not to have your stars in there. Like, Again, LeBron James, love him or apparently in the majority hate him. Love him or hate him, people are going to watch. They either want yep. him to win or they want him to lose. But when you don't really have that polarizing sort of figure within the, the championship, because mm. Kupo is great, you know, Paul's good, Booker, that kind of stuff. But is there anybody on there, even if it was a... You know, a Draymond nice Green guys. type where I'm just like, I can't, I can't stand that guy. I want to yep. watch it to see him. Just like they promote these stupid fights. You know what I mean? I don't want to see Mayweather get knocked out by a YouTuber. Yes, I'm hoping that happens. Mm-hmm. Is it going to happen? No. <laughs> Do I hate this Jake <laughs> Paul, Logan Paul, whatever? Yeah, I hate enough that I'm going to pay to watch. Hopefully somebody beat him up. That's just what sells now. You need to have something invested. If they're not your team, you need to have something, some sort of emotional attachment to it. So you got to love somebody or hate somebody to that degree mm-hmm. to watch that. And Phoenix and the Bucks, you know, other than um, uh, those, uh, the Monstars, uh, the, the two brothers... <laughs> For uh, the Bucks, Lopez. Lopez. Well, they only have they only have the one on their, on well, their team whatever. right now. But that yeah. would be the reason I would watch is to watch Lopez lose. <laughs> you know, that would be the the most uh, emotional attachment I have to that that game. So that's probably part of it. Or a I big think you nailed it. it. I think you nailed it. All the guys you na- all the guys you mentioned, nice guys, like Chris yeah. Middleton, nice guy. Uh, Kupo, nice guy. Drew, Drew Hall, they won the Sportsman of the Year for like, uh, you know, like it's like the la- la- Lady Bang or the Selkie or whatever they call it. Like, nice guy. And then you look at Phoenix, Chris Paul, nice guy. Booker, all these guys. DeAndre Ayton, they're big men. Like, great guy, super guy, great draft pick. But like, all nice guys. So there's no, 
and there's no inherent rivalry. Like they, I don't even think the Bucks and Suns play that much during the season. So like it's taking some time for for the blood to boil. I think I think Milwaukee's going to make a series of this. They won the last game in Milwaukee. I think they win Game Four as well. But no star power. I think it's affecting uh, viewership. I mean, I'm a huge basketball fan, and I've fallen asleep twice. So that that in you know, really says it all for me. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, moving, just moving on really quickly. Khabib, I can never pronounce his name. He's the U- UFC guy. Nurma, Nurma, I can't pronounce his name. Great yeah. fighter. He doesn't fight anymore. He actually said, uh, he's on record as saying that McGregor is done as a top fighter. Do you agree or disagree? Well, his comment came with... Uh, the fact that he's getting a bit older, uh, wasn't a big kicker sort of to begin with now with the broken leg and what he's going to be rehabbing with that is not going to be any better. So he kind of given the situation and where he is as a fighter and where he, or I guess where he was as a fighter now with the broken leg and what he's likely going to be returning. Uh, he doesn't think that he's at that elite level anymore. He's, he sells and he will sell tickets, but he's not going to be. Uh, a fighter at the level he needs to be. So he's you can promote them, but he's probably going to lose. Um, I Honestly, I think he's probably right. Uh, I think Connor had some issues already with this one. Again, he's the best promoter probably fight-wise that we've seen in a long time. Mayweather is up there. Um, but uh, I just think to a point, sometimes I feel like from a fighter standpoint, boxing's different. You know, Mayweather can go in there and dance around for 12 rounds, not really get hit, throw a couple mm-hmm. of punches, whatever, knock, knock, not knock somebody out. Um, a very unentertaining fight, still win, still be there. With the UFC, you can't do that. You can't just knock, uh, run around the ring and, and, and hope not to get hit kind of thing because they're going to grab you and they're going to do some damage to you. What I find is that fighters like Connor, who start to lose their edge. You got that chip on your shoulder. You got that I need to, this is what, this. I need this for my life, for my family, for whatever. I'm willing to sacrifice everything when I'm in that octagon to get where I need to be. Conor McGregor is there. He is a millionaire. He's got multiple businesses. He's got a beautiful family. He's got everything you would ever want as a result of fighting. Now that chip is not on his shoulder as much anymore. He's not going in the octagon as like, I'm leaving it all in here because I got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Now he's sort of on the other end. And I think at that point Mm -hmm. you start losing your edge as a fighter. And I think that's where he is right now. Yeah, I think that's, I could not add another word to that. That's pretty much how, how it appears. You know, um, he's kind of had a little bit of a change of image over the last five years. I think he's been humbled in the ring. Uh, I know he comes off as, you know, a Poirier, like this wasn't a legitimate win, this and that and the other. But deep down, I think he knows, you know, like his, you don't just break your ankle like that. Like, I mean, it's it's wear and tear. It's years of kicking, you know, that that's what happens. And, uh, you know, he's not he no longer has that sense of invincibility that he used to have in the, in the octagon. When McGregor was fighting, you know, he's he was imposing and he had the, the snarl in this and he'd fight well. Uh, he's no longer like that. People know that they can beat him. People are no longer scared of him. They're not intimidated by him and his Irish accent and the way he's around the ring. And, you know, when they'd have the face-offs, he'd bat his fist right in front of the... No one cares anymore. And I think he's lost that sense of uh, invincibility. And I don't even think he's trying to be that uh, that guy anymore. So I think you're right. I think the biggest tell would be if we get the doctor's surgical report 
that says, did you option A, get your legs set and are going to heal naturally and then try and fight, in which case I feel like he's done? Or did mm-hmm. you option B, because you're worth a bazillion dollars, change out that uh, bone with a carbon rod that is going to be like Wolverine when you go back in the ring and you're not going to feel any pain and it was impossible to break. In which case, I say you're coming back for some more. But that's what I would have done. That's good. Excellent. Uh, we're running out of time, but hey, listen, I wanted to mention Team USA has lost two in a row to Team USA basketball. Uh, All-world team, of course. I, it's <laughs> not know. supposed to air horn when we say they lose, but you're getting to a point that they lost to some... Uh, pretty good teams, and one of them includes an Ottawa GG. Hey, listen, the when we think of Team USA basketball for the Olympics, the first thing that comes to mind is a dream team and the 100%. best team that's ever assembled. So people th- still have that, like the dream team is what the is the standard. Well, guys, it's no longer like that. Like it's even even after the dream team, the '96 team and the and the 2000 team, like other countries were catching up. Like they were playing good basketball and. Uh, you know, we're seeing, I mean, Nigeria has like five NBA guys on the team. Uh, Australia had uh, Aaron Baines and Patty Mills and guys who've played in the NBA and aren't afraid of these guys. Canada, Mike, uh, lost to the Czechs in the qualifying in a very disappointing fashion. Uh, terrible refereeing. And I'm not talking about, I'm not being biased. Awful refereeing, actually. <laughs> And uh, Canada was loaded with NBA talent, loaded. Like, I mean, they had, I think they were 10 deep. Eight of them were uh, were NBA starters. So, like, they Canada should have qualified. It was a very disappointing loss. Uh, it was a last-second really shot, one. too, wasn't it? Last-second shot. Shouldn't have been. Like, it, the refereeing was atrocious. So, that's what you get, though, with FIBA basketball. You, the referees are, are no, notoriously awful. But USA lost to Nigeria and Australia. I think the only people that are really surprised are the Americans. I, I mean, the rest of the world has understands that these games are close. Um, were you, are you surprised? Does it matter? It's exhibition. What do you think? Um, I'm surprised. Doesn't matter. Proud of uh, uh, the, uh, the Ottawa Gigi player who is, uh, I'll say his name properly, he led the Nigerian team, uh, Caleb Agata, Agata, mm, Agata. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great player. Anyway, I saw some of his highlights. Darren Joseph posted it, uh, tweeted it, a uh, little highlight package there of him during that game against the U.S. And, I mean, he's playing against NBA stars, and he was yeah, he was playing awesome. So a couple of kudos to him. Nigeria. Uh, but then Australia beat them too, so maybe anybody can beat him. No, it's all Australia, preseason. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about, I know we're, we're a little bit over our time, but what's new there? Um, I wanted to ask you about, well, we talked about this a little bit today, but we didn't get into too much detail. Stephen A. Smith uh, came out and said uh, he does not believe Shohei Otani, who is all world, all just like baseball, his version of Babe Ruth, like modern baseball anyway. He came out and said he does not believe Shohei Otani can ever be the face of MLB because he needs an interpreter to, to communicate. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I tend to agree. Um, I guess, it, it, like you said, what is the definition of being the face of uh, a sports, or uh, not even organization, a sports league um, to that, a global sports league even? Um, <clears throat> you know, baseball is pretty global. So realistically, I mean, 
you know, the Asians have their own league and stuff as well, but we bring a lot of players over uh, who make it. He's arguably the best player we've seen in our lifetime when you see from a skill set point of view to begin it's, with. It's crazy. He's leading league in home runs. He's a lights out pitcher. He's starting tonight, yeah. pitching wise. He's starting, and he was in the home run derby last night. Like, you just don't see that. Now, no. you've brought up that maybe the Angels is where you go to sort of uh, fly under the radar from a career standpoint. Mike Trout is Mike Trout. Everybody knows Mike Trout. But really, from, from what Mike Trout has accomplished in his short career, he should be... He should be multiple winner. It should be statues by him almost. It's 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 crazy how much he's done and how little you sort of hear about him. Um, and I think Otani, the fact that he doesn't speak English is probably one extra deterrent. Um, I don't know. I think it's it define it. It comes with the definition of what is. How can he be the face? He could be the face. Put him on all the billboards and stuff like that. He he just may not be the voice of MLB. And you know, in uh, in a sports world where you know you, you see a lot of selfish people, and you see a lot of people who do a lot in the community, he's like you know I've I saw him pick up a broken bat. Someone he was pitching, guy hit a broken bat dribbler, and you know caught it and out, and uh, the the bat broke right in front of him. He ran and picked up the 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 shred of bat that was left and handed it to the bat boy. Who does that? You know he ran out of his way to do that, and you know he did the old like the little bow like. If you want a face of of any sport, you're gonna want a guy like him, Curtis. Curtis, sorry, and, uh, and not thoughtful. Curtis. Not you want Curtis. And you want Curtis. Curtis. It's <laughs> the face of but, baseball. You know, I mean, that's what you want. That's what you want to represent your league is a guy like him. There he is. Boom, Karate Kid. <laughs> so I think uh, I think Stephen A. Smith needs to. I mean, again, we've used this term a lot, but stay in your lane, Steve. What do you know about being the face of anything? Like you've never played a professional sport. Just what are you talking about, bud? Stay in your lane and d- talk about what you know about. And you don't know anything about what the face of anything looks like, okay? That's I mean, what these guys get paid re- for. Like that's what that's why we know these guys. The Stephen yeah. A. Smiths, the the coward, that kind of stuff. Like they they're trying to antagonize people. You know, and that brings It's working. Yeah. You know, you've reached out to Coward a couple times. You've so irritated by comments he makes. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Again, you talk about the NBA and what they're missing from these NBA playoffs. You need to love somebody or hate somebody. Same with everything yeah. else. You got to love them or hate them. So I think mm-hmm. we need to start being a bit more on sportsmanlike, and then we'll get some more people watching in here because they just <laughs> hate us. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have for us today, guys. And that's all we have. Sorry. Um, that was fun. Well, it's always fun, Pep. Here's the thing. We're going to be on hiatus for at least one show. July 27th, there will be no show of the UC. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right soundtrack. <laughs> Ding. I don't know. But there is no there show go. on July 27th. Um, there's no really no sports at that point either, but, uh, I'll be on vacation. Pep will be having a well needed social break as he starts his softball season, Hello. which is real softball. I think they call it. it. So it's not the uh, lob ball, whatever you actually got to, it's orthodox. It's what was that? What'd you say? What'd you, no, <laughs> Do you have to wear a helmet when you're playing this one? Uh, you don't have to, but it's recommended. But you don't you don't necessarily have to. The catcher's in full gear, though. There's catchers in a crouch. And, I'm gonna buy you a helmet um, with the face mask. 
oh, I don't mind that at all. But uh, I would probably not wear it. But you don't. Uh, they, there is a league. There is a similar league that's run by the city that requires you to wear a, a helmet. And uh, not only in the not only in the batter's box, but uh, in the um, uh, which when you're on deck. So there you all have right. it. Well, you gotta league, you gotta give us your schedule because I think uh, producer Mike and I are gonna go watch you. Come on out. We'd love to have you. It's at DV Pines uh, for most of the games, and there's one at, at Grove. I think that's Stittsville. I remember. Pep's totally wearing a helmet. Okay. <laughs> okay, Mikey. <laughs> oh. Hey. Boss Man's on vacation, too, so it's perfect. That's the other reason we're not we on go. that week. And we'll see. I don't know if you guys are figuring out next week or not. I don't know if I can do it from Wasaga Beach, but I'm going to try. We'll give it a try, and worst-case scenario, we, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll do um, – I'll I'll get our executive producer on when uh, we'll get Curtis on too, and we'll figure something out. Curtis might be with me down there. there okay, well, um, I want to thank everybody uh, who uh, sent me well wishes and birthday wishes today and stuff too <laughs> across all of our social media platforms. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks to uh, my wife and kids for taking me out for supper tonight. Thanks to you guys for showing mm. up. That was awesome. And uh, we're going to go out to – here's the thing. If you have not seen and you like hip-hop music and have not seen Rhythm and Flow on Netflix, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's a show about finding the next hip-hop superstar. So it's kind of like an American – America's Got Talent or like American Idol type thing, but it's not all set in the same place and they travel around the country, but it's Chance the Rapper, T.I., and, and Cardi B trying to find it. But the – production value that these artists are able to have as they go through it are awesome i was going to play one of them today for the outgoing song but i did not find a radio version so it was a little (laughs) it's got some swear words in it so i'm not going to play it but d smoke uh was the guy uh you want to look up and he's got a song called last supper it's very good anyway take a peek but we're going to go out to uh, my son's choice today uh it's a song by masked wolf I don't know if you've heard this one or not. It's called Astronauts. Astronaut in the Ocean. Guys, appreciate it. I like Until, it. Until uh, next week or a couple weeks after. Be safe. Enjoy the summer. What you know what you about know rolling about? down in the deep? When your brain goes numb, you can call that mental freeze. When these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion. Yeah, oh. I feel like an astronaut in the ocean. Hey, what you know about rolling down in the deep? When your brain goes numb, you can call that mental freeze. When these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion. Yeah, I feel like an astronaut in the ocean. She said that I'm cool. That's right. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I believe in G.O.D. Don't believe in T-H-O-T She keep playing me dumb I'm a player for fun Y'all don't really know my mental Let me give you the picture like stencil Falling out in a drought No flow rain was I'm pouring down See that pain was all around See my mode was kinda lounge Didn't know which which way to turn Flow was cool but I still felt burned Energy up, you can feel my surge I'ma kill everything like this purge Let's just get this straight for a second I'ma work Even if I don't get paid for progression I'ma get it Everything that I do is electric I'ma keep it in a motion Keep it moving like kinetic Put this shit in a frame Better know I don't blame Everything that I say Man, I seen you deflate Let me elevate This ain't a prank Have you walking on a plank? Both hands together God, let me pray I've been going right, right around Call that relay Pass the baton Back to the mall Swimming in the pool Can't you come on? When a piece of this, a piece of mine, my piece of sign Can you please read between the lines? My rhymes inclined to break your spine They say that I'm so fine You could never match my crime Please do not, not waste my time What you know about rolling down in the deep When your 
when these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion, yeah. I feel like an astronaut in the ocean, ayy. What you know about rolling down in the deep? When your brain goes numb, you can call that mental freeze. When these people talk too much, put that shit in slow motion, yeah. I feel like an astronaut in the ocean.